Peter Fontaine, and I'm the newest member of the Freestyle Club. Warning. 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 The Freestyle Club contains adult language. It is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Freestyle Club. With your hosts, the unknown admin, Rafael Reyes, and CPR, Jose Ortiz. Hello and welcome. Welcome to this week's edition of the Freestyle Club. My name is CPR Jose Ortiz, and of course, I'm being joined by the unknown admin, Rafael Reyes. What's good, you bastards? I'm excited. Because the man joining me this week on the Freestyle Club is the only man to get me arrested and put in jail. Please welcome the man behind Just Like the Wind, Mr. Peter Fontaine. What's going on, buddy? How y'all feel? I have a felony record because of you, sir. <laughs> Let me take you back to that dreary night in 1995 when I was the coffee getter for your show. I had to... Uh, drive you around or try to help you find the venue and try to meet up with you at the hotel. You had these dark Kinko pictures with you next to the tree. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> and, and so you didn't have an autograph marker or pen because the pictures were dark and they were from Kinko. So you and I went to uh, a stop and shop and uh, we went into the stop and shop. We went into the area where the uh, markers were. And I told you, here's $5, all right? And I'm going to take the pen out. You go ahead and pay for it. And then I'm, I'm going to go to the front and just, you know, put it on your picture to see if it works. If not, I'll come back and we'll get a different one. So I'm over there sneaking through the aisles and trying to be slick and trying to get out the, uh, the door. I get out the door. Peter Fontaine is already in the car with my $5 that I never saw again. And, <laughs> and to boot. The security people from Stop and Shop are coming in, and Peter Fontaine's laughing at me. He goes, ha ha, you got caught. <laughs> <laughs> and I got, I got dragged by Stop and Shop security, where I got banned from that Stop and Shop for life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, had to write a, I had to write a statement, and I had to sign a form that stated that I could no longer go into that Stop and Shop forever. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, I of course, I didn't get in trouble. I didn't get arrested, and and it wasn't that serious. But that's the first and last time that I ever got into problems. And the fact that Peter kept the five dollars, so he got whatever his salary was plus my five dollars, which I think was the only five dollars that I had. I had this badge, and the badge said Peter Fontaine at Off Broadway, and I'm like, I'm the promoter. I'm the promoter. I'm helping promote the show. I want to steal your honor. And he's like, I'm not a judge. Uh, you're not in court. That's like my favorite road story that I tell. You owe me five bucks. This is the Freestyle Club. During my high school years, my boy, Jose Gonzalez, Pocho, he would sit in, in the front of this little Chevy Chevette. It was just a small two-door car, right? And I had to get stuck in the back riding bitch, of course. And right next to me was the kicker and... He, we would have our other boy in the front seat, and we would skip school just to listen to Peter Fontaine's Just Like the Wind on cassette and drive up what? and down, drive up and down Main Street in Springfield. This thing made out of wood that we, he pummeled together with nails 
and put a, a, a kick or a woofer in there. It didn't even sound good, you know what I mean? But all you hear is just like the wind up and down the road, you know? It was hilarious. Back when we were young, you know, we drinking 40 ounces. We, you're sort of like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm from the project. So we was doing all kinds of stuff. And just kind of like, you know, at that time, we, we wasn't of age to get in certain clubs. So either you had back in the days juice, you know, what everybody knows juice, you got a hookup. Or somebody that allows you to get in the club. So you could just see, like, maybe the cover girls or somebody. But listening to, like, all that stuff around me, you know what I'm saying? Going to school and listening to, like, the cover girls or Monet or, you know, the, the back in the days, you know, uh, that that was just all fun, you know what I'm saying? I mean, in between there, yeah, you know, here and there when we play hooky, we had hooky parties, so they play songs, you know. But you, I'm taking it back to, like, the 85s, you know, so... Certain things that blew up after that was like known for everybody. But when I was young, I'm, I guess maybe down the line, I'll, if people ask my age, but I'm, I'm a little older. <laughs> so my young years was from the breakdance errors to like the Planet Rocks and then coming into like the Shannons and stuff like that, you know? Um, and just they listen, wherever the, wherever the chicks was, wherever the fun was, what music was playing. That's the fond memories that I have, you know. I won't say too much on the trouble we got into, but we got into a lot of trouble. Just so you know, as Jose's road manager, if you're going to pay Jose the $5 back, we do not accept personal checks. I just want to be <laughs> upfront. That... Oh, man. I don't want there to be any confusions, uh, you know. Yeah, is it in the <laughs> contract, though? Cash. Is it in the contract? We only accept cash. You are the man to talk to about contracts because, you know, your career is synonymous with bad contracts. Could you go back to getting signed to High Power Records or maybe you're not even signing with them? How, how did that work out? I had a management uh, under Tony Estevez and Tony Estevez used to work with PKO Records. I know you guys are familiar back in the days, PKO Records. LA Girls and, and yeah, yep, yep. Kimberly and all so, that good stuff. You know, we thought, you know, being under... Me being on the Tony Estevez, I was probably going to get a hookup with PKO Records. Didn't happen. You know, so again, Tony, we went to the, you know, try to do the cutting records. Didn't happen. So, you know, we're going around trying to shop this little demo. It was like a small demo that my boy TK and Anthony LeBoy had put together. Now, this demo was small, but these guys took me to... Uh, Platinum, uh, real platinum studios. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, unique studios. I'm sorry, and every and if anybody don't know out there in the, in the industry, which some people do know, you know, the famous unique studios. That's where Tupac, Biggie Smalls did their stuff. So I had two guys backing me up, put this demo together. The way she looks at me, you know, trying to shop this demo around. Now Eddie Rivera was alive at that time. He used to have these big record pool uh, parties downtown, and that was the place to be. Tony Estevez has some connections. Yo, let's go find, maybe we can find somebody, record company, somebody we can get in with them. And um, when we got there, George Vascon, God rest his soul, and Judy Torres was there. Now, I'm a big Judy Torres fan. Here I go with this little demo, and I played it off like, uh, I wrote it, I, I, I'll be honest, I did play it off like I wrote it for her. Like, hey, the way she looks at me, you know, but it's, it's really the way he looks at me. So I can kind of like, you never, you know, get the hook, you know what I'm saying? That was called a hook. So at least they can listen to me. And um, they, they, where they're going to play the demo right there, the little cassette. So they said, well, sing it, sing the song. George Vascon said, sing the song. So I sang it 
George said, yo, you got a nice voice, man. Um, yeah, you got a real nice voice. Distinctive, but, you know, uh, listen, why don't you come up to my office up in the Bronx? Went to his office. Now, George had a relationship with Tony Garcia. So, uh, Edie was under, uh, uh, you know, management of George Vascon. You know, later down the line, the Suaves and stuff like that. But, um, so he had a relationship with Tony Garcia. So, he already called him up. Hey, listen, I'm sending this, this kid down there, Peter Fontaine, with Tony Estevez, and uh, hear him out, you know? So I go bring this demo. Now, Tony, we bring in the demo to Tony. Tony listens to the demo. Of course, Tony likes the song, but he wants to put his production into it. You know, ah, you know, that's great. I love the song, blah, 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 this, that, and the third. So we go do the recording. Me and Tony Estevez, at that time, when we were signing the contract, to get with high power records for somebody like me trying to find a deal it was like hitting a home run in yankee stadium you know what i'm saying we're like yo we just got signed to high power records yo that's what's up you know what i mean later down the line had i known <laughs> it would have been a different story i was young you know not that young but young enough young and not very uh how would i say smart about contracts and again Anytime, even with George Vascon, they always say the same thing. Listen, you want a lawyer to look it over? I didn't have money for no lawyer, man. I just was like very eager to just get my song, my music out, you know, my voice out there and all that. So I signed with George Vascon. They split a, a, they split the percentage on the management. So Tony Estevez was like still my role manager. George Vascon was my manager. Tony Garcia became my producer. Uh, you know, when I signed the contract with him, I didn't read too much. And to be honest, Tony, I'm not saying because Tony owns his own record company that he didn't know what he was doing or didn't know what he was doing. But Tony and me, we were like on this level of, I can say our relationship was not a street level, but it was like, I, you know, listen, he could hear this interview all he wants. You know, he, he would drink a 40 ounce with me. And, and we would kick back like two hermanitos, like, yo, and, and just chop it up. And so while he's vibing off of me and my skills and what I could do writing, I'm vibing off of him. He goes, well, I have to take you down to uh, ASCAP, you know, to uh, so you can, you know, get for, you know, because you wrote this song, right? I said, yeah, yeah. And so as we went to ASCAP and I remember Wanda LeBron was uh, the A&R or, the, you know, the representative of ASCAP at that time. And she was explaining to Tony about publishing and all that other stuff. And with me about how it works with the writing. And listen, it, it was what it was. You know, I signed off a deal with Tony on the publishing. Um, so I never really got any publishing. Um, but I got my royalties and my writing because of being a writer with ASCAP. That's why till today, like, I still get checks for the way she looks at me, just like the wind. And a couple of other songs I wrote for, like, for Ronaldo, for Edie, and stuff like that. He looked out for you when it comes to your writing and publishing. But then he, he screwed you over in the other part. Later down in life now, like I have my own record company. And I, I come to learn, you know, the hardest thing to get is publishing. If you got to have some kind of a publishing company. And I didn't know nothing about that. So later down in life, I wound up opening up Arotro Publishing, which is my publishing company. Had I had that back then to open up a publishing company, then I could barter with him on 50, 50, 40, whatever it is, you know, because that's, they say that your publishing is basically like that's your bank. That you know you you definitely gonna get your royalties. But when it comes to publishing, then now you can go buy 
of the catalogs. You know, I mean, you can barter with, you know, major companies, you know, hey, we get this amount of money, you know. So, you know, I learned that. And I learned it the hard way, you know. And after I got, I left the label with Tony, we went our separate ways. I actually started studying a little bit more. They used to have these books back in the days. You go to Borden's books, um, and it would be like the, the Bible of music industry. It teaches you about points and mechanical points and all that. So I started studying. I started to learn a little bit more. Well, the education that you got, you know, for whatever the amount is to get that book, you know, it, it would have taught a lot of people back then because, you know, when they said, hey, you could have a lawyer look at this if you want, that that's the sign right there for them to see what's going to happen. For the most part, 95% of them were going to say, get a afford one, so they'll represent themselves. Yeah. We've had so many of your label mates from High Power Records always reiterate the same thing. It's like High Power was the black hole in their career. It just sucked yeah. them, you know, sucked them dry. So that, like, I'm curious to myself is you, you started with High Power, right? And yes. how do you, how did you escape that black hole to go over to Metropolitan? It did come from a street level. I started to hear my panitas on the street talk about, yo, you know, you're performing here at the Palladium. You're doing this, you're doing that. You're doing the Apollo. You're doing all these big venues. And, uh, the little birdie is chirping to me, yo, you getting paid behind your back. And uh, have you seen any money? And I'm like, nah, I mean, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm, I'm hearing your management is getting money. I'm hearing your production companies getting money. But where's your money? And as soon as I hear that, I'm like, you know, because back then it was a certain amount of shows. And this is what they would always say. You know, you're doing this for like the exposure. You're doing this for the exposure. You know, all right, you do 10 shows for the exposure. You know, on the 11th show, I mean, you got to see some kind of money or something. But we, I was doing such big venues that, like, my exposure was becoming, you know, I was becoming that artist that everybody could recognize. You know, they could see me. Oh, that's Peter Fontaine. You know, that's just like the wind, the way she looks at me. Because here I am doing not just the big venues, but opening up for, like, the Judy Torres. Because, like I said, George Vascon managed Judy Torres, Johnny O, Cynthia, uh, a lot of other artists. I mean, you know, and that's that's George's niche. If Judy's performing, Peter Fontaine opens up for Judy. You know, and he would take the bullet. George would say, I'm taking that bullet for you. A lot of these promoters don't even want you to open up. A lot of them don't even want you on stage. So, you know, I'm taking a bullet for you. And, okay, I play hardball. Sometimes if I say, well, if Judy ain't gonna, you know, you don't get no Judy, you don't get no Peter. Well, how's that? I'm not gonna pay him. Sometimes they wouldn't even mention the name of the record label, okay? Because it was all politics. It was all pushing, you know, labels and names. So I hear this a chirp, you know, there's money fluctuating. So I, I make a phone call to George real quick. Yo, George, this is what I heard. And George was real quick. Listen, if you're not happy, if you're not happy with me, you know, I'm not going to keep you on a ball and chain. You know, I'll, I'll release your contract. He said, but the one that you're going to have a problem with is with Tony. Uh, let me talk to Tony real quick and let him know what's going on. And he called Tony up. Spoke to Tony. I was at my my pop's house on a, on the west side, Fontaine, and um, Tony gives me a call, and he's telling me all this. Listen, you know, if you're not happy, if you think this is going on, I'll open the books and this and that. Uh, but I'm gonna let you know right now. And this is where he threw it at me. He threw this like that. You know, to me, to me was like the make it or break it moment. And he was like. Your song is number one somewhere, but I'm going to hold that information. You're not with George Vascon. He said he's going to release you. He told me you're not happy, so on and so forth. He said, uh, but you, if you sign exclusive, exclusive 
leave with me, meaning exclusive record company, exclusive production company, exclusive management company. The triple threat. I'll let you know your song. Huh? The triple threat. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he said, then I'll let you know the information and now we can start making money. And at that point, I was like, well, hold up. Uh, maybe, you know, no, nah, nah, no, maybe. Just deep down inside, I just didn't trust it. I was like, nah, man. You know, if I ever want to go somewhere down the line in my career and work with whoever else, now I got to answer this, to this guy. And if, if you're holding back, and I've seen a couple other things. I don't know if we get into it late, uh, later on in our conversation about Tony and he does business. Listen, he's a businessman. He's a shrewd businessman. It is what it is. But and I told him no. I said, listen, the most I do know, I may not have that publishing, but I wrote these songs and I'll get paid. If it's number one on the radio, I know that much that it's on rotation. That means I'm going to start getting checks. How much checks? Don't know, but I know I'm going to get checks. And then Tony said, well, you know, when the captain is going down with the ship, the captain goes down and all the other jump off the ship. I said, well, it is what it is. I'm sorry. I'm jumping off ship. You know, I appreciate your help and everything. And that was it. You know, and Tony said, well, I'll, I'll release you. I won't, you know, I'll release you. You have no more uh, endears with me anymore, you know, with, with uh, High Power Records. And then down the line, to answer your question, Ralph, you know, I, I actually didn't get down with Metropolitan. I, I've been around and I, I knew so many people, producers, and I felt for the fans. And I always say that's a bad word. I call them family. For the family base, you know, that are into me and follow me, that I should put another song out. But at that time, you know, nobody was biting, you know. So the closest one, Laura from Metropolitan Records, Jerry and those guys, I kept in contact with them. Michael K. Gomez, kept in contact with him, Wilson Yepes. So Michael K. Gomez was the first one I went to when we were talking about doing uh, a track. And then it came up, it came about. You're an angel. And it just so happens Michael K. Gomez was working with Metropolitan and my song went on a compilation. But I never signed to them. It was just a, a deal that Michael K. Gomez had got, like some money for it. And he he passed me off a little money. And uh, boom, I got a, I got another single out. So now my, my family base, you know, people that follow me know that I'm still around. I'm still alive. I got songs. And then they flipped to a couple of more years down. Um, Wilson Yep is working with Metropolitan Records and me and Wilson know each other from back in the days and boom, you know, I did um, One Moment in Time with Wilson Yep is. and those two were the, were the two that, that jumped on that you know, with the Metropolitan um, and then that's about it because they're Metropolitan, who knows what happened with Metropolitan they went under and their catalog so <laughs> did, you, uh, but at did least... you also work with Adam Morano? No, no, I never did but I did, and I used to always hang around, you know, the Sanayas, the I Listen, let me tell you, when I moved up from New York City to Camden, New Jersey, everybody was like, why are you going to Camden? That's a place, that's a crazy place. I say, yo, you know, it's, that's just it wound up being. I met this artist by the name of uh, Jose Rodriguez, uh, and he was in a group called Pure Pleasure, and they were on Tasmania Records. And I met him in New York City. And things were going a little kind of weird with me in New York. I was going through like family members passing away, 
going through a bad relationship. I wound up, uh, he said, listen, if you ever want to crash in my crib, place to crash or something, I live out in Camden. So I took him on his offer, came down to Camden, New Jersey. Man, I didn't even know Tasmania existed, to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. I didn't even know other artists like that, like the, the, the Pain and Charlie and Sanaya and the Pure Pleasure and, 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 and Joe Zank. I didn't know any of these artists existed, you know? Um, I guess maybe I was stuck in a bubble a lot with, you know, either it's a hit record or I've met you doing a show. And, and I'm talking, you know, I'm old school from 89. So I never met any of these people until like the late going into the 90s, 91, really like 91, 92, you know. And then um, they welcomed me with open arms. Tasmania never gave me a deal to do anything with them, you know. So I helped out Charlie do some background vocals. I actually helped Pure Pleasure get that song together. Um, Lady, lady, control this desire. Love me, baby, now. Hold me in the dark, yes. Hold me in the dark, yep. I was the one to help them get that song. They fell in love with it. If you would have heard the original, listen, Mike Astoriga, those guys, they did real good. But uh, if you would have heard the original <laughs> from my boy, like, and he never became an artist. He actually became a cop. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, man, Steve, Steve had a vocal ability, like, you just, you know, you never, you know what I'm saying, like, you hear a demo, the original demo, you go, wow, those vocals, if that guy would have become an artist, forget it, he would have been, like, surpassed George Lamont, but he never came out, he never did the song, and Jose from Pure Pleasure heard the song, he fell in love with it, he was like, yo, can we do that, and uh, TK, when I was mentioning earlier, TK, he was like, yo, go ahead, man. I produced that track. You can take the song, do what you want with it, you know? So that's how that came about. This is the Freestyle Club. I want to circle back to High Power for a second. When you left, it, it appeared like your your name was erased from the High Power's catalog and from the history of High Power. Why do you think that happened? I don't think my name was actually erased. I, I know Tony can get a little funny sometimes. I remember Tony asking me, Peter Fontaine, what's your name? Uh, I don't know if I want to mention my name right now. <laughs> my real government name, but Peter Fontaine actually came from my, my stepfather, Mr. Fontaine, Lon Fontaine. There's a real Lon Fontaine. Rest in peace. He passed away. And I remember Tony asking me, like, is that your family name? And I was like, you, you, you're damn right it is. Like, my, my step-pops will fight you in court for that. Because I kind of felt like I knew where he was trying to go with it. So he couldn't totally erase my name, Peter Fontaine. So what he did, he went and got an imposter. And we all know who he is. Envy. <laughs> and listen, Envy redid the way she looks at me. I know him personally. And for the record, I have really no beef with him. I really don't. I just think like any other hungry young artist. He had a song, Crystal Waters and all that, and the girl, you hear me crying. He had, and, and his voice sounds great on those songs. But um, like you had said, Jose, you know, that, that three, the three deal thing, you know? And yeah. when the song went number one, he needed an artist. And I learned that now because I have my own record company. You know, he needed an artist to promote that song. And it just so happens to have been Noel Envy was right there. One of the rules that I have if I book NV is that he's not allowed to sing 
just like the wind or the way she looks at me. He's only allowed to do the songs that uh, made him uh, a household name. Plus, I think it cheapens him as an artist because everybody knows whoever's educated in music, especially freestyle, that Peter Fontaine did just like the wind. But I do remember and I do still own a lot of uh, your your records where it says Tony Dr. Eddie Garcia featuring MV just like the wind. So it confused the audience out there. It's the same 12-inch record, but they just erased your name and put somebody else's on it. I was with Tony, what, 1989. Uh, yeah. If, if I'm not mistaken, around the 91, close to the 92. 92, I was already away from Tony. Um, so I was only with him with within that, really, that one-year period, you know, and that's when he came up and said, hey, listen, your song went number one. So it was easier for him to like go reproduce other songs because the real story was the way she looks at me. That's my very first song. And then it came about, you know, that I, I, when I wrote just like the wind in a passion that I did, I like Tony, man, forget the way she looks at me. This is the song. This is just like the wind is going to be the one. And Tony was like, P, you know, I can't, I can't reproduce what already I'm doing. You know I mean? I, I'm already putting, the way she looks at me out on wax. You know, I can't just stop the presses and then put this song. This will have to be your second single. And um, if, if, if my memory corrects me, Tony had, uh, I don't know what, uh, what factory he went to to press up the records. It was like 500 copies of, of some of them came out warped. So they wound up whatever business-wise owing money or, you know, to Tony because... You know, he wanted whatever excess amount. And then he, he took a chance and he threw the way she looks at me, just like the wind on the flip side of a couple of them, yeah. just to test the waters, you know. And uh, it wound up being that just like the wind, you know, even though everybody says, you I love the way she looks at me, but it just wound up being on my part as an artist that just like the wind became like my, my hit, my, my song that everybody recognizes like you know wow that's the song because you can hear it in my voice the passion the way she looks at me was actually uh and this guy didn't take credit for it frankie cutlass helped me write the way she looks at me uh and he never really took credit for it uh when i mean help meeting the concept you know frankie cutlass was the one that was like look why don't you write about a song the way guys look at girls when they go to bars and stuff like that what do you think the way she looks at me and frankie did a little demo of it in his house. Like, this is the way the layout will go. Although he didn't produce it, but he, you know, he put a little, like, little track on it with a little beat. Then he said, go ahead, man, I'll show you some love. Here, run with this, you know? Um, and that's really, you know, like I said, then it went to TK, Anthony LaBoy, and then from there to Tony. But and just like the wind was all me, like, from beginning to end. I woke up in a cold sweat writing that song. I, I love I love the introduction though. I like the fact that the way she looks at me is your first song because it gets you ready. Because the way she looks at me is an amazing song in itself, and the words, the writing is really what carries it. You carry Tony Garcia's production, but then just like the wind takes it up a notch because not only is the production solid, but the words that you put into that record. I mean, I spent the majority of 1991, 1992 playing that 12-inch record from front to back, back to front. I know every single word. I know, I mean, it took me a while to realize that uh, you said, I'll hide behind the raindrops of sorrow. It took me forever <laughs> to get that part. 
but I got it. You know what I mean? And and we would debate. We would put the needle back and debate on what you said. We would make up, you know, funny jokes or whatever. There isn't a more influential song in freestyle underground style than Just Like the Wind, especially in New England. And you've been here many times. You know, for a fact, everybody knows every freaking word to that song. I think if we had a top 10 most played freestyle songs on our show, Clubhouse Dance Music, you have to be top three. You know, I got mad love for you guys for, you know, playing the song and, and everybody out there, you know, Connecticut, the whole nine yards, man. Hartford, the whole nine yards. You know, I got mad love. You know, one thing I, I really got to say, and it shocks me because, like I said, I'm from the projects, man. I come from the old school. Uh, you know, I was performing with, like, uh, hip-hop artists back in my, first, in, in my early career. Um, and I tend to forget that sometimes, you know, what we call... What they call back in the days, you know, the Latin hip hop and the Lubby Dove music. And then after a while, it became like, oh, that's kind of funny, duddy music. It's like, really? How the hell is that? You know, like, we never hung in the streets. We never chill. We never, you know, got busy with our hands, whatever, in a nightclub or whatever. But for a, a, a guy, I met this guy in Camden that came home from jail. He was incarcerated. Yes. The and number one he, most requested song from jail is Just Like the Wind. <laughs> And I'm like, yo, and he's like, yo, I love that song, Just Like the Wind. I'm like, really? You was listening to that song while you was locked up? He's like, yo, Papa, that song meant a lot to me. Yo, I love that. And I'm like, and, and, and really, honestly, because I don't ego trip, but it really started to hit me about how Just Like the Wind meant a lot to so many people. You know, you know what I'm saying, Jose? I'm not, like, I don't ego trip on my stuff. And, oh, yeah, I'm the man. I'm pe Listen, I have an ego. You know, I do. I'm not going to lie. My ego is like the ring. The, the stage is my arena. It's like my ring. Like I'm Mike Tyson. Because, you know, you see me when I perform for a little crowd, a big crowd. That's just me. Old school. Excuse me. Because I'm an old school breakdance. Well, pop locker. I wasn't really a breakdancer. So my entertainment performance is like, yeah, you know, I got to get that head together. Peter Fontaine. But I don't be like, yeah, I got, you know, Oh man, I can sing. I can sing, and nah, I think I have a distinctive voice, and I'm humble, and it just blows me away. Like how many people just wow, they just they they grip to that song, man. They still you grip know, it to the true. song. It's definitely true because before there was Facebook, uh, Jose and I and Ted had um, Freestyle.fm, and mm. I, I can tell you that uh, Ted used to have a Saturday show, and that song was playing every Saturday two or three times. And oh. when we had the request feature where people can go online and just request the songs that they want and they went on to the radio, I'm telling you, you were always in the top three every week. That song got played out, man. Oh. It just, no one ever got tired of it. No one. I, and they'll go, they'll go, they'll go from, the, from the Planet Rockish version to the hardcore beat <laughs> to, the, to the hip house version. The acapella is the most mimicked song. Yo, you got... Hardcore thugged out dudes. <laughs> Peter Fontaine's on stage, and I I remember this vividly. He's singing just like the wind. Yo, this dude like just he looked like fresh out. He looked like he just <laughs> just cut up. You know what I mean? Muscles, and the dude is singing just like the wind. And yo, he's getting choked up. He, his eyes are getting watery. I'm like, yo, he must have had a hard time in jail. And, you know, <laughs> nah, man, this guy was so happy that he was. 
in front of Peter Fontaine and he was singing this song that meant so much to him. It's just amazing how everybody knows the song and the words. Like they'll sit there and back in the day, of course, you have cassettes and they recorded from the radio and they would rewind the cassette to listen to the lyrics and they'll rewind and they'll rewind or take the needle and pull it back. I always found it funny that you see these thug buzzing in there, all hardcore going, no, 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 no. I'm like, <laughs> At one point in my, in my time, in my career, I was saying to myself, you perform a song like constantly, constantly, constantly. And um, my wife actually, was, she was, my wife asks me this every now and then. She said, well, what, so what's your favorite song? I'm like, what are you talking about in general? Like, you know, other, no, no, of all your songs. And I go, oh, you're an angel. What? You don't love just like the wind? I was like, yo, um, just for me personally, I've performed that song so many times and I try to, I'm trying to push other songs. And no matter what other song I do, everybody's like, nah, we want you to sing just like the wind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I got a new hot single. No, forget let about me, that let right just now. Tell you <laughs> let me just tell you something. If we promote a show with Peter Fontaine and you attempt to leave the venue, without singing Just Like the Wind. There's going to be a lot of fans that are going to be very, very disappointed, asking for their money back, or just ranting on social media. It's like a must-do. You have to do that song. He did Close Your Eyes. I don't want to hear Close Your Eyes, motherfucker! I want to hear Just Like the Wind! You know? It's, I didn't drive three hours to hear that shit. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And, and the funny thing about it is You Are an Angel and One Moment in Time are great songs. The sample that you use and you are an angel is amazing. And I thought it was a great comeback, that song. But they're like, you're not leaving here until you just like the wind. And it has to be the original version. It can't be no remix because you try to you try to do a remix in Hartford, they were like, nah, we need the original. Nah, we wasn't feeling that. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! When you perform, are you able to do the full catalog or are you restricted and which songs you can sing? As far as performing any other songs, like I said, I, you know, I look at it like this. The more I perform, Peter Fonte, the more I perform just like the wind. In reality, let's just say, let's just say somebody brand new, never heard of the song. They're going to buy it. Who's the one that benefits out of that? In reality, it's Tony. Tony gets record sales. Tony gets whatever. Whatever catalogs he's got, you know, he's got them. He gets that. He benefits out of that. I benefit more out of a show. You know what I'm saying? Um, if my song gets played on the radio, I benefit out of the fact that I get, uh, you know, my, my, my royalties. But Tony is the one that benefits out of the record sales. You know, what, what Tony wants to do is like what a lot of uh, what I call like the puppet masters. You know, he wants a little part of your show money. You know, like a booking agency would take a little bit off because they booked you a show. I became a freelancer and, and this ain't a challenge. This is not me being Mr. Macho man. I'm respecting Tony. I hope he respects me, but you know, I respect him and his family, you know, back in the days on a street level, I was a little, I was a little tyrant. So after a certain point in time, you know, business is business. And then sometimes we would, we wouldn't even think business is business. And I don't even want to say it in a negative way. You know, if it is what it is, it is what it is. We just got to do what we got to do. And so Tony never really challenged me on that point. He gave me this offer. I guess maybe he couldn't reach NV. He couldn't get nobody else to do what, you know, he wanted them to do. And he asked me if I wanted to um, to think about going out to Brazil with him. 
Because I know for a fact, we all know for a fact, that's where his stomping ground is, like Brazil. Uh, like Tony's, I heard Tony's big out there. Like the whole Brazil looks at Tony Garcia as the Elvis Presley. And it's now that we're breaking ice because of the, the media, you know, the Facebook and, and all that. So I get certain people from Brazil, like they recognize me as the Peter Fontaine. And, and, and I want to take that back. I, and, and listen, if Noel hears this, he, he can laugh all he wants because my wife, she's like, well, let me see an old school picture of you. She's man, you were skinny. And then she sees a picture of NV and then she goes, oh, but when did you have long hair and a ponytail or something? I said, I never had a long hair and a ponytail. That's NV. You know, all Latinos look alike. <laughs> I'm like, all right, babe. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. cool to say. You know, I, I don't look like an NV. You know, well, he's got that little mustache thing going on. I said, man, I looked like Menudo when I first started. So don't. <laughs> I had that Menudo blowback haircut. I think that one thing that we can say about the male artists from High Power Records is that the ones that got out, they got out with a fan base and they got out with their own, their own individual fan base. You know, Sammy Zone had to recreate himself later on and hooked up with Carlos Berrios to get his own identity. Uh, Reynaldo had to separate himself and fight to be that one and only Reynaldo. You were smart enough to leave when the getting was good and be like, I got to break out on my own and, and break free. So even though somebody did take your name, you still are the one and only Peter Fontaine. You know, MV had to stick around for a while, but he did develop his own catalog. He did develop his own hits. So he he, he doesn't need just like to win, and he doesn't need the way she, he looks at me because he has some kind of love, because he has George, you hear me crying. I always found that if done correct now, that you guys could be touring right now together, Reynaldo, Peter Fontaine, MV, Sammy Zone, all four of you together, one big show, doing these these songs, and all of you together, like the four horsemen, going from one song to another, and really making a big show out of it. Listen, I agree with you, but uh, you know, we gotta be honest, Jose. You know, the political, I mean, we could talk years about this, about the political parties in the, in the freestyle, and who gets along with who, who doesn't, you know, this guy, man, is this guy and he wouldn't want this guy to but you know way before all you know I had I had to get inside inside information from like Sammy's own NNV I had talks with NV about what went down in Brazil when they went out there with Tony and listen they they could have been blowing smoke up my ass excuse my French but they were honest with me you know and they told me some things and they all and they kind of like both of them you know, said the same thing. Like, I, I wouldn't deal with that no more. I, I'm not going to go out there with, you know, like, I, I hear you. You know, NV actually said to me, if I was to go out there and let them know that I'm the original Peter Fontaine, they would look at me like I'm an idiot. Because, like, NV stamped it when he went out there. Tony stamped it. And, you know, they looked at it as the artist. You know, now I find that hard to believe because now, you know, listen, the proof is in the pudding. You know, either you're going to get the imitator or you're going to get the reality you know, the originator. But as I was talking with them, you know, we, me, especially me and Sammy's own, we jotted ideas and we thought about that. Like, wow, wouldn't that be nice? Like the old high power crew getting back together without Tony and just doing some stuff like this, you know, together. And I was like, no, you're right. And then, you know, we, we don't stay in contact. You know, this person's doing something with that person, that person. 
And, um, you know, even if it was just to get that one, uh, that one promoter that would say, listen, I'll make it happen just for a one night show, just to see how it works, you know? And I would love to listen. That one promoter, I wonder who could that be? Yeah. Right. Jose, what's up? No, no, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> we could sell t-shirts, man. I survived high power. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Freestyle Club. Being in the record business, it, it could take a toll on you mentally, physically, and emotionally, and I'm sure that has happened to you. Ay, uh, bendito. I don't know. Well, I know you've been following me or seen me on Facebook or have heard a lot. Um, they weren't rumors. Uh, you know, I had, give, I had given up for a minute. I basically was saying I'm not doing no more shows. That's what I was saying. I was getting a little fed up to the point. And I had something that I don't, I'm, I don't want to keep elaborating on it, but it was more of a health issue. And, and I just, I, I, listen, I got to the point where I'm like, I just want to concentrate on my record label, try to work on some new stuff um, and just do my own thing for a little bit. And if it happens, I start back where I, where I started, you know, showing love to music. And then because after a while, man, dealing with just certain, you know, promoters up and down stuff here and there and listen i love to perform but the business aspect of it got me like really like and then this was uh yes uh day before yesterday i announced uh alex uh alex nation i gotta shout him out give him mad love because i speak with him a lot and i said listen i think it's time a lot of people has been bugging me asking me not bugging me in a bad way like people up you know Summer's going to be around the corner soon, August. Are you performing anywhere? Are you doing anything? So, like, I, and I kept on saying, I don't want to do it no more. For, oh, come on, puppy. Yo, you got to, man. Like, you don't, don't, don't let nothing get you down. And yeah. so I went to all this meditation. I can't say that I keep a good diet because I love cheesesteaks and stuff like that. But I try. I try. I try to, you know, get into the exercising and all that. But the meditation got me into a more zen. So I announced that I'm back out, you know, I'm, I'm available for bookings, interviews, whatever, you know, um, so, uh, Peter, you said that, you're, um, you're back out with Alex. How did that come about? You, Alex working together in, in eyes of deception, because I, when I bought that double CD set, I really didn't know what to expect. There was so many artists and so many songs on there. So I was just playing them one after another. And then just like Eddie had mentioned, you said, Eddie said earlier, that distinctive voice came on and I'm like, holy shit, that that's Peter Fontaine. Wait, and I had to grab the CD cover and look at it. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't know he was back. I thought he had retired. What does he just snuck this in here? What's going on? I'm like, what? So tell us how that happened, dude. Um, um, you guys are, uh, are where, well, you know, Joey T, right? Joey T and Ricky Vass. Yes. Um, so they had that straightforward, Straightforward management, <laughs> straightforward productions. Yes, straightforward, and, straightforward and off a bridge. Shit. <laughs> so, I, I met Joe E.T., very, you know, back in the days. All those people, like, from the Allentown area and, and all that. Ricky Vass, you know, when he met me, through was an associates that I used to run with, Joe and Jolie. They had J&J, &J, Joe and Jolie. And, uh, I, I knew Alex. Alex Nation. Me and me and Alex go way back from the stomping grounds back in the eighty nines, like Patterson, New Jersey, and all that. So I knew Alex. Where he, he had that rat tail. Yeah, 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 
you know, the whole, the back and, you know, he always looked up to me. I, lo- I got mad love for Alex, you know. But Joey T, I never met him. I, I, I come to meet Joey T, then I come to meet Ricky Vass. Then they're putting together all this, you know, straightforward. So Joey T is, you know, personally coming to my household now. I'm bringing him in. I'm doing some karaoke. I'm playing with some stuff. Got my cousin Pika playing keyboards. They get along. We, we all start, like, vibing off each other's. So I start letting Joey T listen to old stuff that I had that I never took out, you know, new songs that I want to work on. And Joey's like, yeah, you know, I'll get, I'll get somebody to, um, to produce. Now, I'm sorry if, I, if I'm forgetting her name. And Andrea, right, that's down with Joey T. She produces stuff. She's also, uh, I think. Andrea. Andrea Martin. Right, right, exactly. So uh, Joey said, oh, man, that song, you know. Uh, I like that song, you know, and, and I, Eyes of Deception. And he tried to do a little something with it. And um, I was like, well, I want to take it to another level. I want to, that song originally, now I don't, the only one person you might know out of, because um, I'm giving you a little of the history of the song, the only one person that you might be familiar with is, he had he was on Strictly Rhythms. Uh, he had a song called Yo Shorty, uh, and he goes and he went by the name Barrio Bob. Uh, that was Candela's label mate, you know, Strictly Rhythm back in the days. That's how I met Candela back in the days. And um, Barrio Bob, he's from my area, he's from my hood, from Spanish Harlem. So Barrio Bob was was a little known, and Barrio Bob had writing ab- abilities, and him and a friend of his which, you know, Richie and his cousin, Arturo Escobar, they were trying to get this song together, uh, you know, as a deception. And I'm the only one out the whole crew that, you know, other than Bob, because later down, you know, Bob got a, a, you know, a contract with Strictly Rhythms to do Yo Shorty. But before that, I was the only one like that had to regulate, uh, excuse me, uh, 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 a deal in the group. You know, in a little hangout group. You know what I'm saying? Not a group group, but... So they, they came to me. Yo, Pete, you think you can help us with this? I'm like, yo, let me hear it. You know, I hear the first verse. But yo, let me tell you, Ralph uh, and Jose, if you would have heard that, they were trying to do like a harmonizing, like a clear touch. And it was nice. It was really nice. But it was just those three, dumb three. So then I, I added my vocals and my voice in it. And... They were like, yo, we could we could make a group. I said, yeah, but I'm already Peter Fontaine. So if y'all gonna make a group, I helped them even come up with a concept, you know, Rich. And the name of the group would abbreviate Rich, Rhythm and Cool Harmony. That was gonna be the name of the group. And they were like, oh, that sounds good. That sounds so Pete, what's up? Why don't you write a second verse to this, man? Because we don't have a second verse. So I heard the first verse. I see your eyes across the room, feel the tension in the air. And I'm like, okay. You know, wrote the second verse. They were like, yo, they were loving it. Boom. Never did nothing with it, you know. Now Joey T hears it. Joey T's like, yo, I'll get Andrea to produce a little track with it. So I was trying to bring it back to that very first when I got. So my idea was I'll I'll pay for a studio session. I already got somebody to produce it, Andrea. And I bought a cousin Pika, Alex Nation, Kirby into the studio to record. Now, 
the only one that knows the song from beginning to end is Pika, my cousin. Kirby doesn't know the song. Alex Nation never heard the song. They they just heard the song when they coming into the studio. You know, I see your eyes across the room. I go, yo, this is the part where you harmonize, you know. In the air, and it goes, ooh, oh, all those little harmony parts. So they do it. Joey T uh, puts it on one of his compilations after we record it. One day, Alex Nation is doing a performance down here in Benchwarmers. I go to show him some love, and we talk, and we vibing. Joey T was there. Ricky was there. Yeah, we doing some big things. So me and Alex had a little conversation on the side. Yo, Pete, I like the song, you know, Eyes of Deception. But honestly, I'm going to be honest. I think, I think you should just do it by yourself. I'm like, so what are you talking about? A remake? Yeah, a remake, man. You take the lead, you do the song. I said, well, so what are we, what are we talking about? Where's it going to come out? I'll put it on my label. I'll get somebody to produce it. You know, I said, well, you get somebody to produce it. Let me hear the production. Now, I didn't know it was going to be Artie Rodriguez. So, you know, me and Artie go way back también. And then when I heard it, when I heard the production, I was like, yo, that's slamming. So, again, that takes the energy out of me, you know, to put slamming. All right, I got you. I went to Polygon Studios to drop the vocals. And Rob over there was like, yo, Pete. I took one take. That was it. It was a one take and it was done. He was like, yo, that was I like that. And then I said, well, what do you think about me adding this, that, whoa, towards the ending? Like, he was like, yeah, that's hot. Yeah. All right. I said, yo, that's a hit. Like, all right. You say so. Sent it back to Alex. And then they threw it on the compilation. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and my brothers and them, they heard it. They were like, yo, Pete, that's hot. I like that. I'm not taking nothing from nobody, but you still bring that energy. Every time I hear your voice and stuff, like you, it's just an energy that comes out of you, man. You know, it's distinctive. And there's no mistaking that that was Peter Fontaine singing that song. And I was like, what? Because, you know, like, again, I just popped the CD in and I was listening to the songs, not really paying attention to what was coming up next. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's Peter. No way. How the <laughs> hell did he end up on this compilation? <laughs> well, that's the thing. See, I have my own, like, Power Force Entertainment. That's the name of my record company. And I'll be honest, man. It's taken me a long time to get a lot of material together for what I feel I de- what I feel the family. Again, when I say family, you know, the people that follow me. What I believe what you guys deserve from me as far as production-wise and song-wise. Now, I've been going through with this chacho. I've been going... <laughs> taken me 50,000 years to get this whole entire little album together, but it, it is what it is, you know? Um, you know, budget-wise, I don't have a big budget, so I can't go into the, you know, you see, like, all these, and I'm not taking nothing, I'm just, I'm not saying a funny joke about it. Like, you see, you know, Jay and those guys, you know, <clears throat> um, you know, George Lamont, they in the major recording studios doing big budget deals, whatever. You know, I got my little studio here. I work with my, my partner, you know, um, Hipton, DJ Hipton out in Trenton, New Jersey. Shout out to him. And um, I'm very, very selective when it comes to me trying to do a production, meaning I'm actually going to produce this with somebody. And, um, and I'm just trying to find that, that whole what's happening nowadays and different kind of concepts 
that takes a, a different direction. And I'm hoping that when I do drop it, that, you know, the family is going to gonna enjoy hopefully maybe one or two tracks. Because I don't know if everybody's going to agree, <clears throat> like the Ralph or the Jose, you know, or the CPRs is going to agree with some <laughs> of the stuff that I might put on this album. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that it's 2019, uh, Just Like <laughs> the Wind uh, was released back in the early 90s, and maybe you may want to get a couple of... Uh, new versions of Just Like the Win Up uh, 2019. I know people are big into the remakes, and I'm sure with the technology these days, you could come up with uh, a, a new concept for Just Like the Win. Just remember, no Planet Rock. No way. But you know what? I've been toying around with that. And listen, don't get me wrong. Like I said, it's a gift and a curse to me, man. You know, Just Like the Win. A lot of people don't know. Uh, very few people know, like my cousin knows. I actually had a, a a third verse for just like the wind. Um, and I remembered enough of the third verse and I sang it to my wife. My wife goes, why didn't you sing the, the third verse? But when I brought it to George Vascon's attention, he was like, you know, the song is too long to begin with. But you know what's funny, Jose and, and Ralph? I was listening to a, a Karina. Um, uh, Give me back my heart because you don't really love me. And doesn't it sound like she's got a, almost like a third verse, right? That song is so long, bro. I, you know, you, 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 it's, it's like that so, Micmac intro. You can go, take a shower, cook something, come back, <laughs> and the person hasn't started singing yet because the beat's still going, you know? But, uh -huh. uh, it's, you know, uh, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ways. You know, first of all, it's called freestyle. And for, for, for a genre of music to be called freestyle but to be handcuffed all the time, a certain thing it really bothers me if it's freestyle then please be free to show us your style except Planet rock but it, it's it's just <laughs> there's so many concepts and so many there's so much electronic music that and infusion of hip-hop and and r&b and all these different elements that you can put into freestyle but people just choose not to be uh more creative a three verse yeah. a three verse song shouldn't be a problem yeah because my wife said it now listen, that that whole song with is is a heartbroken song. You know, I just got all crazy over the girl. But uh, the third verse would actually give you the conclusion to the whole purpose of the song. Nope. You know, so uh, it, it works for Tony Moran. If you listen to Tony Moran's <laughs> music, you're gonna get the radio version with two verses. Listen to Mandalay. Like he'll he'll put some other oh, shit. Yeah. Like like yeah. wait wait hold on a second. Arabian Nights. He went to Egypt, but he also went to France. And wait, and then he took, and then he took a detour, and, and he went to yeah. where? And, you know, and and so he just adds shit to it. And I was just uh, uh, listening to the glory that is uh, uh, Tony Moran because that guy, brilliant, just brilliant. Yeah. And listen, him and Albert back in the days, and that's another thing. Like back in the days, listen, the the family's still there. You know, people like to come out to concerts. People like to come out to venues. But I really wish that, you know, somebody somewhere, and I'm still looking for it, would have that old, like, news reporter VHS, you know, on their shoulder, and they were recording. Not just, well, yeah, for me, for my purposes, I would love to see some of the stuff I did at the Apollo, at the Roseland. I know somebody's got that recording somewhere. 
But on top of that, like the Albert Cabrera's and the, the Tony Moret, like when they would perform and he, he would just like go off on the drums. Like a lot of people, that, listen, I don't take nothing for the new age, uh, the new age people, like the younger generation that still loves freestyle because they learned it from their mother and their father. But like, if you had an opportunity to see those things back in the days, like when they would come out and, and, and do that, the drums. And, and at one point, even Frankie Cutlass, like they would bring out the keyboard. Like forget like singing off of the TV version, what we call the TV version, which is just like, you know, the chorus part and there's no vocals so you can sing live. You know, they would c try to come out with these, like even um, Information Society would come out, you know, and play like the keyboard part of it. Like, don't pure energy. You know, that vibe coming off that stage and you're in that audience and you ain't, you ain't got nothing else to do but dance and yell and scream go and sing the song you know then when you get like the acts like the judies that they you know they don't have a live band and i think that elevation would have worked but again you know the promoters it takes time you know to put up a band that's what stevie b has been doing a lot like trying to push out live you know that concept, and listen, I hope he doesn't think he's the first one I thought of it, you know what I'm saying? Because that concept has been rolling around. Again, it takes money, though, to put up a band, you know? Uh, it's like Salceros, you know what I'm saying? Yo, Papa, let me use a band for a little bit. Que tu quieres hacer que? No, 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 el sabe, el conjunto ahí, haga esto, there goes my beat, yeah. Can he play that piano part? You know what I'm saying? Anything that's live is awesome, you know? And and I was hoping that in that direction, I, I, was, I was talking with, with Tony from TKA, actually, day before yesterday. And, and, and all he kept saying was evolution, evolution, you know. And it's just like you're saying, Jose, you know, the evolution of the sounds. Because here we go, you know, 808 has been around for years. 808 kicking the sounds. Listen, we don't got to get too futuristic. Some of, the, some of the family just want that old school feel. You know, yeah, just they still there, there's greatness and simplicity. If you just take it to the basics, simple beats, yep. Peter Fontaine's voice. There's nothing else that's, that's needed. And then you know, that's give me it. give me an intro, give me an outro beat, and call it a day. It's great when an artist carries a song. I don't like the fact that now it has to be the beat carrying the artist when the artist doesn't need carrying. I also want the new elements. The kids like EDM. Put a little freestyle beat. Put a little EDM element. There's progressive freestyle. UK, there's the Rock Project, Out of Control, The Sinful Wishes. They use some of the information society influence and electronica, and they blended it together to make a, a beautiful freestyle song. Paradigm, uh, Back From mm -hmm. My Love, my, the greatest new school freestyle song I've ever heard. But again, here we are in 2019, and people are regressing. They don't want to forward the music. And, and it's not that hard. Like I said, you add a couple of new elements, and that's it. Keep it moving. You know, everybody's trying to reinvent the wheel or go back to, you know, Soul Sonic Force, and my partner and I are not having it. Yeah. And listen, and, and on that note, I'm, that's where I'm trying to keep the simple. I'm not going to give the formula of my production, but I'm trying to keep it simple. And, and the family, everybody's going to, they're going to reminisce off of some stuff way before I even start to sing. And, and I'm not going to keep it long. Like back in the days, they have very long intros. But I'm saying, just, just the music, the beat alone, they're going to be like, oh, wow, you're taking me back. And then on top of that, you know, whatever vocals, you know, I drop on what songs that I'm doing. But that's because that's the same thing with me, man. 
I'll sit here with my cousin and we'll reminisce off of like 1970 hip hop stuff. Uh, you know, listen, I'm I'm all around music, man. I love all kinds of genre of music. You know, the the doo-wop stuff, the doo-wop shops, the you know, the rock, the this, the that. You know, and and way in my very and my very first career, my very first starting, I really never really wanted to sing. I just wanted to write songs. So my very first song ever that I wrote, beginning to end, was a rock song because I love that. I love the group Kiss. You know, back in the days, you know, Kiss. You know. <laughs> you, I got dressed you, up like Pete. <laughs> you would you consider um, writing music for a new artist and um, having them pay you for that, and you know, letting them produce it, use your stuff, and you getting you know all the publishing? All times, anytime, all times. What happens is a lot of these artists, like me back then, were not even, I can't say me, because I was very open-minded. If somebody had a song that they wrote for me, I would really consider it and listen to it and be like, okay, you got it. You know, listen, sometimes I do get writer's block, but this, my son will say something, I'll, I'll come up with a concept, and I'll just start to run with it. That's it. And then what I call the Holy Ghost, with all respect, my left hand starts to, my left hand just takes control. Next thing you know, within two minutes, I already write, I write a song from beginning to end. That's when I really get that flow and my energy flows. It's like, for example, when I wrote the, Another Night for Ronaldo, uh, Tony, the only thing that Tony let me hear, first of all, I said, well, I didn't know who Ronaldo was. You know, although he was my label mate, but meaning like his song. I didn't, I never heard My Sweet Love. So I'm here, My Sweet Love. Girl, I want you, baby, my sweet love. So I'm like, okay. Is that the country western version? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, so got that little London kind of thing. It reminds me of the Peshmo and all this. I said, well, what else you got? All Tony let me hear was. And just on the keyboards alone, Tony's like, all right. I'll, I'll get a demo together. I'm like, yo, hold Tony. Hold up, wait, wait. There you go. There you go. He goes, what's that? I go, that's the song. He goes, what? That's the song? That fast? I'm like, yo, that's the song. You don't want to take it home and look it up? Nah, just give it to Ronaldo. And he's like, yeah, all right, sing it. I'm like, I Live all alone, all alone at night by myself, wondering who's holding you tight. I'm singing them verses and chorus, but you keep telling, but you keep. And he goes, okay, I'll give it to Ronaldo. Ray came next day. He said, I just had to change one little word. I said, no problem. It's your song, you know? And we went to the studio. We went to the studio with Edie and Ronaldo to do a song I wrote for Edie called Come Back to Me. And Ronaldo, and hey, listen, Edie, I love you. If I know you're going to hear this, but Edie was like, me and Tony, I'm not an engineer, so I'm just looking from the engineer part of it, Tony doing his thing, and, and then I see Edie, she goes up first, and she sings the song, you know, come back to me, I need you so, and, and then she comes out, goes, what do, you, what do you think, Peter? I go, that's all right. She goes, it's all right. You wrote the song. I go, yeah, but I kind of wrote the song in with like Taylor Dane in mind. I didn't write the song to cater to Edie's voice. I just thought I would never meet Taylor Dane. And here goes a song for Edie. She needed, she wanted a song. And then when Ronaldo gets in the booth and he starts to sing, 
you know? Ay, bendito. I was like, wow, that guy's voice, he, he, he's got it. And he's singing a song that I wrote. Best eight-minute song I've ever heard. I mean, the, oh. the extended version on the High Power Volume 1, kicking that off, and, and just, you can listen to that entire, like, production straight through. And, and I will always say this and admit to it, I was a High Power guy when I first started, you know, trying to be on radio. When I, when I was in the basement of my high school trying to do a, a radio show, I, I wrote my first article on High Power Records. I still have it here. And uh, uh, I, I talked about Peter Fontaine. And, and I, I, you know, I, I talked about NB and I talked about Reynaldo. And so when, when you listen to High Power Records, uh, Volume 1 compilation, it has Little Susie, Take Me In Your Arms. When it has Reynaldo, uh, Another Night, Just Like the Wind. Um, even though they put NV on it. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, you know what I mean? It, it's it's just a great compilation. It's just the shit that followed, you know, a couple of compilations later that you're like, damn it, he just jumped the shark. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's, a, that's, that's the thing about Tony. Like, there was other artists that I don't, I mean, listen, you know, I wasn't the whole, I was, a, I would come to the label, I would see Tony, if he needed me to help him with a song or something, I do what I can, write a song for this person. So, like, um, I know I met Wicked. I, I, I could tell you I met Wicked. Um, the, Renat, the Ray, I met the, I met, of course I met Ray, and we got, then I met Carlos Bustino, and then I met all these other Ronaldos, you know? <laughs> and then Sammy Zone, you know, me and Sammy Zone, we, we hung out, we chilled out downstairs in front of the projects, getting our drink on. So me and Sammy's own vibe, me and Edie got along, you know, Eclipse, you know, uh, other artists that really, you know, uh, Alvin Labass, and shout out to Alvin Labass if he's still around, because if every, if nobody, if nobody knew that, but I'll say it now, you know, that last note off of the way she looks at me, that was Alvin Labass that sang that. Eyes, that, that was Alvin Labass. And, and then that said, you know, that's the way I was with High Power, with Tony, you know. Hey, Pete, I got a new artist, you know, hey, he needs help, or they, or she needs help with a song. They may need a song, you know, if, I'll write a song, you know, if it's out, if he puts it out, he puts it out. And then after a while, like I said, when I left the company, they didn't, you know, didn't really knock me to, like, look at any other artist. The ones, listen, I don't feel, I'm not saying it in a bendito way, you know, uh, just me personally, I know I did some damage on that label, but uh, I think the all-in-all all damage and I, and I mean that in a big way, not in a bad way. Like little Susie, when she came out with Take Me In Your Arms, I was like, that's it. Tony, Tony's going to be like his brother Mickey. He's going to have a song on the radio, played on the radio here. Like, and, um, and then whatever happened, you know, with relationship between little Susie and Tony, I didn't catch on to anything until I saw that album cover <laughs> with Tony. Wow. And then I said, oh, wow. I said, bendito. I said, yo, wow, you know? And then when, uh, uh, you know, whatever they went through and her dad with Empire Records, and I remember seeing and meeting up with Little Susie in a concert one day, and I, I guess I might have said a bad word. The bad word to her was Tony Garcia. She's like, ooh, I don't even want to hear that name. I was like, okay, no problem. Yeah. And so I was like, because, you know, I, I mean, that, I gotta be honest. Like I, for me personally, Little Susie 
I understand Sammy's own, whether he helped write the song, whatever. But as an artist, like Little Susie blew high power records up. You know what I'm saying? Now, like you say, you know, Mickey Garcia on Micmac Records, you know, you could say Suave. You could say, you know, uh, uh, Ann Moore, you know, uh, Johnny O, Cynthia. You know, there were so many artists that got on the radio for Micmac that maybe I should have taken Frankie's advice and gotten with me. <laughs> <laughs> I should have I should have went the opposite direction. <laughs> but that that to me, that I mean that's my personal opinion. I don't know if you guys feel the same about that or not, but it is because of Take Me in Your Arms that the Planet Rock generation stuck around and still going on strong all these years <laughs> later. Because Take Me in Your Arms and High Power Records is the catalyst for the Planet Rock yeah. over usage. You got people from overseas that mimics their whole career on Tony yeah. Garcia's Planet Rock production <laughs> kit. Today, I saw someone tag me on a remix that they did, and guess what they were using? I sent it to Ralph just for him to listen to it today. Well, the 808 can do so much more than just a Planet Rock beat, honestly. Okay. I mean, Marvin yeah. Gaye's sexual healing was done with an 808. Yeah. Uh, Daft Punk used the 808. I, I mean, even Kanye West used the 808. I mean, that's no big surprise there, but... It doesn't have to be boom, boom, every fucking yeah. song. Excuse my French, man, but <laughs> yeah, that's it, right. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those things that really irk me, man. It, it's the type of beat that people are going to be like, didn't you just have the same beat in the last song? Because that's what we got back in 93, 94. You just played the song with the same beat. Probably Arthur Baker's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. <laughs> Arthur Baker's like, what's my royalties, man? Yeah, what, what the hell? I, I, I'm going to wind up taking Tony to court. What the hell is going on? Who is this guy? Tony Garcia? <laughs> this is the Freestyle Club Hit Pick of the Week. Uh, I mean, Pick Hit of the Week. Sorry about that, Jose. Welcome to the Pick Hit of the Week. Peter Fontaine, what is your Pick Hit of the Week? I'm going back to the classics. I love this female's voice. I love the production. Her name is Monet. Give it to me. Until next time, a CPR saying goodbye and remember, peace, love, and freestyle.